It's that time of year Load up my gun Put on All right, today's guest is truly tougher than life in numerous ways. And, and I'm excited to have him on to share all of his experiences with you. Uh, he spent 20 years as a Navy SEAL sniper. He led his teams through Iraq, Afghanistan, commanding special operations task units, and has been a platoon commander in the Southern Philippines. Uh, since leaving the military, he's become a New York Times bestselling author. And through his books, we get to see a look at military life in and out of the military, as well as family, hunting, the outdoors, and fitness. He's a patriot, a lover of freedom, but more than any of that, he's a bill, more than an author, more than a sniper, more than an outdoorsman. He is a devoted, loving husband and father. I am pumped today to have on Jack Carr. Welcome, Jack. Thanks for coming on. Oh, man, thanks for having me on. I love talking about all this stuff. And uh, what's so cool about podcasts is I get to meet you know new people that would, we wouldn't have like an excuse to get together otherwise. But this gives us an excuse to connect and talk. And and that's my favorite part of kind of the, the new media, as uh, as they call it. And I noticed the shirt. So the Sornax shirt, of course, yes, Bert sir. is an amazing guy. And he just sent a bunch of uh, workout stuff out to the set of The Terminalist with Chris Pratt in L.A. because um, they're building out a portion of uh, uh, one of the sets. And uh, and it's uh, James Reese, my protagonist, his garage. And they're like, well, what would you put in your garage? And so I gave a list of things and I started connecting them to different people that could, uh, you know, could send out some stuff and make this thing look cool. And Bert sent out some awesome stuff. And there's a bunch of SEALs on the set doing probably technical advising or acting or, or being or being SEALs like in the train. Um, and they all started using it to actually work out. So it's uh, it's super cool. Dude, that that is awesome because Bert's an amazing, amazing guy. And uh, I like what he always says. He's a collector of people. And and I think mm -hmm. if you're around Bert, like you, you're probably, you're there for a reason. You're a good person. And, uh, you know, I think he's one of those guys that's, if you're good, he'll keep you around. And if you're, you know, and, and if you're not, uh, if you're not worth being around, I don't know if you're going to be around Bert. He's a super good dude. And, and that's pretty cool that they're, they're equipping everybody on the, on the set. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah. I want to make sure we got uh store next stuff in there. And uh, yeah, I got uh, like Josh Hall surfboards, got his stuff in there. Got some of uh, some Shim Jocko stuff in there. Got uh, uh, a PSE bow from Don Dudley in there. Got a uh, Winkler knot. Like, we got a whole bunch of cool, uh, cool stuff gear and a lot of veteran known companies uh that uh, uh i guess hopefully showcase some of their their stuff as well and and uh win win for everybody yeah i mean and you know let's i mean uh -oh. just dive in no are you there there you go there we go right. yeah I, and i just want to dive in a little bit on i mean on your books uh you know one of the things i'm i like to write myself and always think about hemingway's quote you know, there's nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. And, and as a writer, uh, you've now gone through a lot of, uh, let's say a, a lot of writing and, and more of the writing aspect, but how do you write and then manage that, I guess that lover of freedom and, and the outdoors and guns, but yet in that writing publisher, even now into the television realm how are you kind of managing that because i know everybody today is worried about getting canceled and all that stuff and i think that's something that is very applicable to just when we live in that we're living that tough life we're living and we're doing things that are hard 
you know, we talked about Bert and, and working out and being in the outdoors. It's all hard stuff. But being a writer, somebody don't think the mental aspect is not hard, but it truly is. Yeah, so on, on that, I do think about that because this uh, cancel culture, quote unquote, is so prevalent today uh, and in, in some of the um, industries in which uh, which I, I work, um, uh, you, you see it um, more so than in some other industries. Uh, but I don't change anything that I'm doing because of that. Uh, and I told my wife just recently, I'm like, hey, let's not let it be a surprise when we get canceled with the touch of a button, when a contract's not renewed or we're deplatformed somewhere. Um, because, you know, they you don't even need to say anything political. You don't even need to say, you know, advocate for anything that uh, that some segments of society are, are, uh, are not supportive of. Uh, they know the big tech, big tech knows how long you hover over a picture of a knife or a gun, uh, even if you don't hit the like button like they've. They've got that. They they know they've segmented society, uh, and they know exactly who we are and uh, and what you like and what you dislike and all that. So so that's so that part's done. But in the you know, I try to be thoughtful about what I do because um, that's what I think I owe my readers. If someone's trusted me with their time enough to read a uh, one hundred twenty five thousand word book. Um, or listen to 13 hours of an audiobook, or just trusted me with following me on Instagram, um, or whatever it might be. Like I, I owe them uh, something of value, and I owe them the requisite time, energy, and effort into uh, the research and thought behind what I'm going to say. Um, so I, I try to frame everything uh, in that, and I, I just try to be thoughtful. And that's the best. That's the best I can do. Um, if I'm gonna get canceled. I'm gonna get canceled. That's just how it. That's just how it goes. But I'm not gonna change what I'm writing about or how I write about it because I'm worried about getting canceled. Um, because there, there is that. I mean, authenticity is an overused term, but that's because there's not a better word for it. Um, and people can tell. Like you can write safe and not, uh, you know, weave any part of yourself into these things. I guess uh, I don't do that. Um, or you can be apolitical or just be worried about, uh, you know, that the adage of hey, you know, Republicans and Democrats they both buy Nikes or whatever that was. Um, you know. I don't subscribe to that at all because it's uh, it's not me. And the power of these novels is that people can trust me. They trust that I'm not doing that sort of thing, but they also trust I'm going to be thoughtful and try to be appropriate and try to be respectful. Um, and uh, and that's just and that's that's me. I don't have to you know that's not somebody pretending to be somebody else. And today you know you could have maybe gotten away with pretending to be somebody else 30 years ago, but today if you're engaging on these social platforms and you're doing a podcast like this, um, there's no way for you to be somebody that you're not. Like, it's just, that would be so difficult. I don't know how someone could, could possibly do it. I guess people try, but um, but I, I don't, you know, it would be exhausting. That'd be exhausting. <laughs> and I gotta, I gotta save all my, uh, all my energy to, to focus in on these novels and make them the best they can possibly be. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's, it's one of those uh, growing up, you know, if you tell one lie, then you have to tell a lie to cover that one up and you just keep going that list. I think that, if you're not authentic, if you're not true and genuine, like, and, and it comes through in your books that I really love that. And one of the things that stuck out to me in the books is there, there are things that say like James quotes his father or quotes different people. And one of the quotes that I want to dive in, and I think it's true, maybe true to your life. And maybe where did it come from is, is Thomas Reese, James Reese's father. He's quoted as saying, life is hard. If you stay with, if you stay with it and keep moving forward, you will prevail. Never quit. 
And that was a, a quote that Thomas Reese, you put in the book. And I just wondered if that came from somewhere in your life or if that was, you know, one of those, just the muse hit you. Yeah. So, uh, I have versions of that, that, uh, that I, I've woven into, I think, a couple of the novels and a, a few Instagram posts, different interviews, that sort of thing. But uh, a guy told me, a, form, a former Army Special Forces sniper told me years and years ago before I was even in the, the military, he said, hey, you don't want to just survive anything. You just don't want to survive a gunfight. Like, you get shot, that thing's on. You know, the fight's really on now. He's like, you're not here to survive. You're here to prevail. And that stuck with me um, because it, there's a difference between just surviving and prevailing. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be it can be anything. Um, it can be uh, it, it doesn't have to be a fight. It can be anything in life. And so I so I've always framed in my head. Uh, it's not just about surviving going to Iraq or Afghanistan. It's not just about you know you know surviving after getting knocked down. It's not just you know none of these things are just about surviving. You know that's a, that's a low bar, um, but it's a prevailing. That's different. And so I try to weave that into the uh, into the novels uh, as well. Yeah. And, and that was actually the next quote that I had thought about was the, you know, you wrote a fight is not about surviving, but prevailing. And that's true to life. Because I mean, like you said, surviving, you're just, oh, I'm making it through life. Great. But you got to come out on top. And that's tough. And one of the ways we can do that is to be prepared and to be ready and to make ourselves ready. And I know you through your military career and even afterwards, and even in your books, we see, you know, James Reese, uh, where he's, he's still working out and he's still doing the things. And, and but what does your fitness regiment look like? And even in the book, you talk about, I think, you know, James, they're talking about how um, fitness is perishable and how they're getting, how fitness as you age can change. And, I, you know, a little bit about maybe how you trained when you were in the military and then post-military when you're just training for a big hunt or something like that yeah so all my life everything i did even if it was a school sport or something like that i always looked at it through the lens of how is this going to help me uh be more prepared to go into the military so even at a very young age i looked at things like that whether it was soccer or lacrosse cross-country running in particular uh, which was very beneficial not just for the military but just for life in general because you got to push through uh this this painful endurance of running up hills at altitude you know that sort of thing throwing on a backpack heading into the backcountry with my parents like uh it's like like those things are, are tough and they are character building and they help me as i went along not just in life but uh particularly in the military but in life you know in general as well um so i was an early early into brazilian jiu-jitsu in the early 90s before anybody had really even heard of it well before the ufc um and uh into boxing of course uh all those things that i thought would make me a, a better warrior a better combat leader going forward. So uh, I've always been on the functional side of things, even in high school, um, even in the 80s, I would get home and uh, ride my bike home. I do hill sprints. I had, uh, would you be doing pull-ups like under the basketball hoop, not the hoop part, but the part that like connects, you know, to the, the pole and like pulling myself up with different, my hands at different area. Cause I'd, I'd seen these pictures of guys running obstacle courses and uh, in the military. And I'm like, oh, look at that. They're climbing this, you know, a cargo net. I don't have a cargo net in my backyard, um, but you know, what, what do I, what do I have? Okay, I have like a play structure thing back here 
here from when I was a kid. Well, I can do some certain things on there to kind of mimic what they're doing. I can put a rope up in a tree. I can rappel down. I can get on the roof. I can shoot my bow down at different angles uh, with my when my heart's uh, racing. So I tried to do things that I thought. So it's functional fitness, you know, or CrossFit or whatever, you know, now. But back then it was just me, you know, looking at Soldier Fortune magazine and seeing what guys were doing in these training programs and being like, oh, how can I do this in my backyard uh, to better prepare me? Uh, how do I get my heart rate up with these hill sprints and then come back down and knock out, you know, 20 pull-ups because I was like light as a feather back then. And so just cranking out, you know, you know, pull-ups. Uh, and of course, we didn't know anything about nutrition back then. So I'd go in, you know, then and have like a, uh, a ramen noodle, you know, that... You know, no one knew. You didn't know you had the protein. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a lot really helpful if I had known that. Or you have a potato, you know, like, like we didn't know. Carbo loading. You know, you got to carbo load before the big game and that sort of stuff. So you saw pasta, lots of pastas, health, healthy. Um, so, yeah, we didn't know anything about that. But uh, then the military, of course, uh, you know, you're doing all the more traditional type military exercises and buds, you're carrying the boats, you're carrying the logs, you're climbing. And uh, it was similar at my first SEAL team. Like fitness was lift as heavy as you can, uh, as hard as you can, and then run as far as you can, as fast as you can. That was pretty much what we did when I first got to my, my SEAL team in October of 1997. Um, we still hadn't quite figured it out yet. And then we drink a lot of beer. Like, so that was like the, that was the, that was the workout regimen. And then, uh, God, I forget when I started, found out about CrossFit. I think someone sent me an email on it in like 2000, early 2003, maybe. Uh, and so then I started, and then mo a lot of special operations, a lot of SWAT teams, police departments, firefighters started to do this thing and, uh, and get into the, the functional fitness side of things. And then we brought in some trainers that kind of knew more about this functional fitness space and tailoring workouts to what we were actually going to do downrange in body armor, climbing through windows, putting, uh, you know, ladders up over compound walls, this sort of thing, carrying guys, uh, if they're shot, whatever you might need to do. Um, so then, then I went all in on the functional fitness side of things, um, and really did that for the rest of my time in the military. And then when I got out, I was good for like the first year. So the first year I got up here to park city and oh my gosh, park city, Utah, people here are in some good shape. Uh, we thought we were in good shape. We got out of the car when we first showed up just in the parking lot at the grocery store. My wife and I are looking around and we're like, oh my gosh, look at these guys. Everybody's like trail running and mountain biking and backcountry skiing. And you know, they're here for that healthy lifestyle. Um, and yeah, the whole foods here does very well. Uh, and luckily I had some buddies up here that are all about maximizing human performance, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. And uh, we had this workout crew, about five or six of us that would get up and we'd start working out at five in the morning and uh, they do the programming and they're frigging monsters. Uh, they're savages. And so I did that for like the first year and that was okay with what the book came out, my first novel, and then through the first book tour. But as soon as it was and writing the second and then launching the second having two and writing the third and juggling all this I had to prioritize so I've been doing a lot more typing these days than I've been doing uh, doing working out um, but uh, I hope to get to a point where I can reprioritize things but right now it is all about making the novels the best they can be I'm um, uh, consulting on the scripts going out to LA consulting on set uh, writing the fifth novel right now launching the fourth like there's a lot going on I have a podcast uh, close beyond the books with Jack Carr that just that just launched um, so, so lots going on and, uh, but 
hopefully I get to this stage where it, I looked at it kind of as a, a startup, like you're starting up a company in your garage and you got to hustle. I mean, you got to, you got to sprint, you got to build, you got to, you got to maximize different opportunities. You, you got, you have to do this thing because no one's going to do it for you. Uh, even writing. I, and I thought writing was you write a book, you send it to New York, they publish it and you start your second book. I didn't realize you have to do everything you have to do with any other business from budgets to advertising to marketing, to uh, social media, to engagement. You have to do all of these things and you have to have this, uh, this product that is second to none. So, um, so point being prioritize that right now. And, uh, but I want to get to the stage where it's moved out of the garage and get some, uh, build in some processes that are, make things more efficient and effective, and then kind of be able to take a breath and, uh, and reprioritize things and get back on the, uh, on the workout routine because, uh, yeah, right now it's been, been a lot more typing. My hand, my hands are in pretty good shape though. My fingers are in good shape. That's good. I mean, but like you said, it's, it's one of those, um, you're in, I mean, you're in a great spot where people around you are fit and healthy. So it's a little easier to even, even if you say you're slacking, I'm sure that you're going to be able to hang with most folks out there. And, and like you said, um, I mean, you, you have to prioritize. And I think that's one key thing that we don't do enough of. We try to do everything I do all the time. Like I got a hundred things on my list and they're all number one. And, and, and then you just start spinning wheels. And by the end of the day, it's like, I got nothing done. Uh, and, and so, yeah. and, and I've heard you talk about like, you have your, you know, you, you have your fourth, the devil's hand is, is coming out. And then you have, you're already working on the fifth and you, you know, you know, heard you mention like there might be a sixth, and down the road, you've got this big picture. Yeah. And, and how do you, maybe, how do you kind of prioritize? Because I mean, life is just, it's one of those things that life is just tough. And it's like we said, we have to prevail over it. But in order to, to prioritize things, how, do you have a system or do you have a way that you think about like, all right, this is the one thing that has to be done first or the one thing to do today? Yeah, no, I definitely do. Uh, and I got that from Jocko, actually. He put me through um, two of my pre-deployment workups and uh, prioritize and execute. Uh, point being, I, uh, as part of that workup, Jocko uh, passed on to me, hey, uh, if uh, when things are chaotic, you're in this firefight, things are all this, things are going crazy as a leader, take a breath, look around, make a call. And I've incorporated that into the novels as well. And then uh, he said, Hey, we have multiple crises to deal with, uh, you prioritize and execute. So that's what I do on a, on a daily basis is that prioritization. Um, like today we're doing this. And uh, then I have a bunch of, of books out there that need signing, that need to get to independent bookstores. So I have 400 books to sign out there that are going to uh, one of these bookstores in Phoenix. And so I'll do that um, and just work my way down this list. And there's a lot, uh, a lot going on, but yeah, for sure around book uh, launch time, a lot of that, that, that a lot of prioritization. Um, then the rest of the year, the priority is writing the novels and everything else supports that. So, um, so yeah, you gotta, gotta take a breath, gotta prioritize it's, uh, or, or I think you do anyway, um, because if you're trying to do a thousand things at the same time, uh, then you're, well, that, that's, uh, that's difficult. I guess I'll, I'll say that. So prioritizing those things and then knocking them off one at a time. That's, uh, that seems to work for me. Yeah, that's, and that's great. Cause I mean, you have so many projects as you have, like you said, the podcast, the books, and you have, uh, you're, you're in Hollywood now and, and you're doing all these things that are really impressive. And everybody looks at all that, but they don't see the hard work that went behind it. And they don't see maybe, uh, you know, everybody's like, Oh, you know, and, and that whole, like, it must be nice kind of mentality 
but the thing is, is like, yeah, it is nice when I'm there. Like, I'm sure that it's, I'm sure it's real nice whenever you're hanging out with Chris Pratt on set and you're cracking jokes and you're having fun and you're showing him something about, you know, maybe you're showing him how to hold a, hold a pistol properly or how to move like you would move or how James Reese would move. And you're maybe showing him something that, yeah, that must be nice. It is, but you've done the work. You know, you went through the hard, the struggle, the tough times, and now you get to reap the benefits. Yeah, and the work doesn't really stop. I haven't gotten to that stage yet where I feel like I can take a breath or I can feel like uh, like people keep asking me, how does you know how does it feel to have your book made into a into a series on Amazon starring Chris Pratt? And I'm I was like, it feels great. Okay, and I'm on to the next thing. Like I'm just so much going on. I haven't taken a a second to to breathe really um, because I feel like. And I don't know if I'll ever really feel like uh, I can take a breath. I'm not sure, but I certainly haven't thus far because you got to put in that work. So regardless whether, so if someone cracks the door for you, you have to be ready to kick that door in. You can't just sit around and think, oh man, uh, if only somebody would give me a break. Okay, well, you got to be ready when someone lends, the, when someone extends that hand, when someone cracks that door, where someone uh, invites you to something and whatever it might be. Like you have to have done the work. So the, the baseline of all of this is doing the work because without it, if someone cracks that door, you squandered the opportunity. So regardless if someone cracks the door for you or not, um, you have to do that work. You have to be prepared. So that's, that's the constant. Um, there's some other things you can't control. Um, so don't worry about those, uh, worry about what you can worry about and what you can affect and impact, which is doing the work, which is dedicating yourself to your craft, whatever that, that might be. So that when that opportunity comes along or when someone cracks that door, or when you see that opportunity and make it happen, uh, then you are ready. You weren't just sitting around lamenting the fact that, uh, that life is tough and you don't have, no one's giving you a break. Um, you know what? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, but if you're not doing the work, when someone does give you the break, guess what's not happening. You're not being able, you're not able to kick in that door. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's perfect because I'm kind of going through that right now. Some career changes, some life changes, things going on, but it's partly because of the things I've done up until now. I mean, I had an opportunity, like we talked about to go out to spend time with Bert Soren at winter strong. Well, the only reason that I had that opportunity was because of the things that I had done, you know, and then when Bert extends that opportunity, I was like, yeah, like I can do this because I've, put other work in and I, you know, I have a three days I can just take off and go. But, and I think that's one of those things. Yeah. It's just, we have to be ready in that, that opportunity, the, the lifespan of an opportunity is small. And I think that we have to be ready for that. And I think that's just one of those, you have to attack oh, it yeah. and, and never, never be afraid of a challenge. That's right. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's going to be challenges. You're going to get knocked down. Uh, it's going to, you're going to, there's going to be failures along the way. And, so don't let it be a surprise when that happens kind of like yeah. me telling my wife about the cancel thing like like it should not be a surprise or it is like don't let that be a shock like prepare for it now which is what we're we're doing yeah. um but uh but also the part about getting getting knocked down like we all know that's going to happen you everybody you hear that from everyone and you have to keep up and get keep moving forward yes check but what is also important is how you get back up and keep moving forward um you can just get back check or you can get up in a way uh where you think about how 
your actions and how your example or how um, your rebound, whatever it might be, is going to affect those around you. It's going to affect your, your kids, your family, your circle, whether that's two people, whether that's five people, whether that's 10 million people. Um, so the way you get back up and keep moving forward uh, is almost just as important as getting back up and doing it. Because you really don't have a choice of getting back up and doing it. Like that's that eventually you'll come to that conclusion when you're knocked down, like you will have to get back up. There's no other choice. It's just, you get to choose how long you're going to stay down. Um, but eventually you will have to get up and keep moving forward. Um, but you get to choose how you do it. That's what's important. That that's so, that's so true. And I think as a father, as a leader of your house, like that is something that, you know, your wife, your, your kids, they're looking to you for that. And it's not only how you handle maybe the, the, the negative things, but also the positive things. And one thing I've loved about watching you is the way that you, as an author, like somebody in the public eye, like you have a lot of keyboard ninjas coming at you, you know, and, 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 and the way you handle the negative and the negative reviews uh, <laughs> has like, that has cracked me up because, you know, you have people that are mad because, you know, in, in the book, you've got like, spots that are blacked out because you turn in the dod and they're like oh we got to redact that you know and, and you leave it in there and people are <laughs> excuse me people are mad because you know there's a black spot and they don't understand like if you'd have read the intro it says hey i you know did this but you know, <laughs> I, I love how you're handling those negative things but also like you're not the positive things the great things that happen in life you're not you're not getting too big for your britches as my papa would say you know when the accolades come and I think that's really that's important, it. but just, I, I would love to share with a little bit about uh, the negative reviews and how you kind of take that and spin it for the good. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, people think just because you're a seal, you have this really thick skin or, or whatever else, but um, you know, uh, I don't. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a negative review, especially when they're, you know, mean spirited, um, that, uh, you know, those, those definitely hurt. Uh, and when you're, Review it. So if you were going to write a review 30 years ago, you'd have to read the book first. Then you'd have to sit down. You'd have to write a letter to an editor. You'd have to uh, find the address. You'd have to stamp the envelope, put the address on, go to the mailbox, mail that letter. It would have to arrive at the newspaper or the magazine. Uh, it would have to find its way then to the desk of that editor. And then in the stack of everything else coming across their desk, they'd have to open that. They'd have to read it, the entire thing, uh, and then decide that it was so good that they should put it in. It was so thoughtful, um, had so many insights that uh, it would go then in the letter to the editor. So that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it exists, but uh, not on social platforms where people, there are no barriers to entry. Uh, you could be as crazy or as mean-spirited as you want, and there is no editor reading that and saying, oh, this person didn't even read the novel and they're just an insane person. Guess what happens to that? trash uh if they even open it uh but today guess what it's all out there and people don't even need to read the book they can uh you know just say oh i saw this person on tucker carlson and he said we should be prepared uh for our own defense of ourselves and our families oh he must be you know a right-wing conspiracy theorist and i'm gonna go and say how horrible this book is and nobody should write it and read it and you know that exists like that's there and then you get people that, like amazon uh delivered my package a day late one star like you get all those. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, so there's, you know, there's 
some wonderful things about these platforms and social media. Like we get to do this. Um, I get to thank people who took a risk on me as a new author and told a friend about it. And I try to thank everybody. I stay up so late after everybody's in bed. I'm like, thank you. I sincerely I try to thank everybody or at least give that heart, you know, because uh, I do sincerely appreciate everybody who took that risk and, and told a friend that means so much to me, allows me to do what I what I love. Um, but then you get those ones that are like, they're so mean or so, you know, mean spirited. And what's fascinating to me about that psychology is that someone chose to use their limited time on this planet, uh, especially on like Amazon, to write a two paragraph, a three paragraph uh, dissertation on how much they despise you. Uh, that's how they chose to spend their time. Like they could have, especially with something subjective like art, you know, writing, that's a subjective your thing, obviously. Um, so to attack somebody for something that's subjective, like you chose to spend this valuable time that you have on this earth, you don't know how much you have. You don't know if you're gonna make it to tomorrow. You don't know if you have another month or you have 10 years, you have no idea. But you chose to be so negative and tear someone down with that time. And you could have chosen to handle somebody you could have chose to uh to be positive or just to like you know if you read a first paragraph in my book you're gonna know if you're gonna like it or not like don't keep reading like don't go to the end if you didn't like the first page don't continue stop don't waste your time uh you're not gonna like it if you didn't like don't like the first chapter for the, for the prologue i'll save you that time right now but instead they go through the whole thing and they're just mad 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 and they type angry and then they post it and it's a you know a one star and you're a horrible person and and all this, whether they could have just like read the first page or read, and you don't have to buy it to read the first thing. You can go to my website and you can read excerpts from the prologue and the first chapter and the third chapter. You can test it out. You can listen. You can listen to the first few uh, chapters in an audible sample. So you don't even have to make that investment of, uh, of this time. So the psychology of it really is fascinating to me and gives me a lot to work with uh, in characters and, and also gives me a lot to work with as far as examples with, uh, with, with my kids, um, you know, about being able to, to choose how you're going to impact people, choose the way you're going to go through life. That's all on, that's all on you. That's on, on no one else. Um, so those negative reviews are fascinating, but the other side is, Hey, I get to engage with you. I get to engage on social media. I get to thank people. I get to build a readership through this engagement that you couldn't have done 30 years ago. Flip side of that is, you know, the crazy people can also post whatever they want. And that's just, uh, that's just a part of it. And that's, uh, you know, I kind of look at it as all, uh, hey, it's, it's wonderful to be able to engage. And it just, that's just a, a part of it that comes along with that, uh, with that engagement. Yeah, I agree. And, and I've had people tell me that, you know, their website was shut down or their Facebook was canceled and all this other stuff. And it was kind of funny. I was like, dude, you, you built your business on a free platform. And then all of a sudden they shut it down. I was like, you know, like, you've made a lot of money on a free platform pretty much. And so it's like, it's one of those, like you said, it, you've got to take the positive and the negative same time. And I think for our kids, which you mentioned as a father with our kids, how are, how are you taking some of this that you're learning along the way that you have learned and passing it on to them? Just that, you know, life is tough and you've got to persist and overcome. Yeah. Hopefully a lot of it's by example in that, uh, you know, they see, uh, that we made this transition from the SEAL teams to the private sector, that I followed this calling that I've had in life uh, from very early age, both to uh, to serve my country in uniform and then to follow that next passion, uh, which was writing, um, and then to make that something that uh, hopefully is positive uh, for the most part for people, um, but that also allows us to build uh, some financial freedom, uh, which is important today. 
and so hopefully they're seeing some of this and you know they're they're completely unimpressed by by everything the seal thing uh you know times best-selling author they're a little bit impressed with chris pratt uh chris made my daughter a uh like a minute long video and uh a little while ago a couple of years ago actually when we're, we're getting to know each other and uh and so i was cool for like that minute um but then yeah completely unimpressed with uh with all of this uh, from the kids side of things and that's just how it goes uh which is fantastic you know i love it just just dad to them just just goofy goofy dad who's embarrassing especially to our 15 year old um but that's hey that's the job of a dad so uh so yeah i just try to share the journey with them hopefully the example i mean they do see me working a lot because i do work from from home right now um so they so they do see that and hopefully their only memory of me isn't going to be how hard I worked, but they just say, "Hey, look, he made time for us. We went, we you know, we went hunting together. We went these river trips together. Um, we did all these things together as a family. And uh, somehow, my parent, you know, my wife, and me, we we work, we we work this out and uh, and work hard um, to build this this foundation." Um, so hopefully they're taking those kind of lessons, but then we do also, I do talk to them about more practical things as far as, you know, being prepared, being self-reliant, um, how that's our responsibility as citizens to, uh, put the requisite time, energy, and effort into the, the study of history so that we can make good decisions for, uh, wise decisions for, uh, future generations. Cause that's what we, that's what we owe our kids, grandkids, their kids. We owe that time, energy, and effort. And that's really what I think is missing and what social media definitely does not help with um, is a hey, retweeting a one or two sentence um, uh, take or position on something that's semi incendiary. Uh, and then that becomes your position because you're trusting whoever it was that you're following, uh, who probably also didn't spend the time, energy and effort to research the history behind a, uh, a certain position. Uh, and then you're just that's that's yours. And now you've tweeted it out to however many followers you have. So uh, we're doing future generations a disservice by not spending time in the pages of these books, not understanding, you know, why these, uh, why we have the freedoms that we do, why the country was set up the way it was, what, uh, what naturals are uh, guaranteed by our founding documents. Um, they're not granted by the government, they're natural rights. Um, and so we're just missing a lot of that. Uh, and it, it just makes it uh, we're just not doing any favors for for future generations, and so I try to remain positive as much as I can. But uh, but I do have serious concerns about where we are headed as a nation. That's for sure. Oh, and as do I. And and even though I heard you on your podcast talk about how you're starting to collect some old, trying to get some old encyclopedias because I think uh, a quote you said was precision in language, precision in thought, and how you know a word okay. in the fifties means something totally you know, quote unquote, means something totally different today. And I think that's something that, that, you know, the next generation, we're, it's up to us, whether it be hunting, uh, whether it be living up, you know, setting a good example as a family, as a leader. I think that, I mean, that's up to us. If we don't do it, you know, our kids are going to be, uh, we're doing our kids a disservice. Yep. No, absolutely. It's uh, for only for a very slim portion of all of human history have we been to out, been able to outsource uh, our food, how we get that food, um, and how we protect ourselves, our families, our communities. But the smallest part of human history has this been the case. Um, so, uh, when something happens, like a natural disaster, a pandemic, civil unrest, it's a it's uh, can be a shock to people. Um, so, so that's another one we talked to the, the kids about just understanding, uh, Hey, this is not, this has not been the norm 
for all of human history. It is now, but society is fragile. And here's the examples of that. Here's a, here's a riot, here's a, uh, a hurricane, here is an earthquake, here is a pandemic. Um, that just goes, those are reminders of how fragile society is, but we've gotten comfortable in this country, really probably from you know, the end of World War II up to today with that, that safety and security that we assume is always going to be there as the government takes more and more uh, control, which they do not give back. Um, but uh, studying that history and realizing that, hey, this is not the norm. And if it is not, then maybe I should be prepared. Maybe I should uh, teach my kids to be self-reliant. Maybe we should get into the pages of some of this history uh, so that we can understand uh, where these options and opportunities came from in this country, uh, that we're sitting at subjects. What does that mean? Uh, discussing those things with their, our kids, um, because they certainly aren't going to get that in most schools anyway. Uh, and that's our responsibility as parents to prepare them for the for the road. Not in a way that's paranoid, but in a way that is uh, appropriate and uh, allows them to realize, hey, you know, I need to pick my head up out of this phone. I need to maintain situational awareness. I need to be self-reliant. I need to be um, uh, educated, and I need to learn from my mistakes and my failings. So I was, uh, apply those lessons forward as wisdom. Um, and so there's all those sorts of things that are all very basic, but that tend to get lost, especially in the distraction, all the electronic distractions of today. Yeah, yeah, it's simple, uh, simple and basic, but not common you know like common sense is not common anymore and and you're talking about like adjusting and adapting and in, in your new book like it's amazing the devil i was pumped to be able to dive into this like you had to make some i, I got a feeling that uh, you made some changes um over the past year before you turned this out because you know you mentioned things that have happened recently and that i mean that's so cool that you're able to and, and i know that your kids and, and are seeing that like oh like dad changed the, you know like what you're doing like i said i know they're not impressed by anything but one day they're like oh like like dad adapted and overcame you know that and that's so cool that you're able to do that and because this new the, the devil's hand the new book is it's 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 blowing me away i'm 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 a yeah for a dyslexic really slow reader um i'm, I'm getting through it but i'm really pumped about the audio version coming out too Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Porter is the best. He's just an amazing guy. The narrator, that audiobook, is just fantastic. But, uh, but yeah, so I outlined this book in August of 2019 on my way to and from Russia, where I was doing research for my last novel, Savage Sun. So uh, I, I knew I needed to go to Kamchatka Peninsula, just south of Siberia, where a lot of the action in Savage Sun takes place. But I left my computer behind. I left my phone behind because I didn't want to walk through customs and have either uh, you know Russian intelligence services either take them physically or to suck everything out electronically as I'm uh, as I'm walking walking through there. So I brought a notepad and I just wrote out the the outline for this novel uh, as part of that. And the basis for it was something I thought about while I was in the SEAL teams, what I continue to think about today as a citizen, as an author, it, which is what has the enemy learned by watching us on the field uh, the last 20 years at war? So essentially, we've been playing poker. They've been circling the table, looking at our cards, seeing how we play them. And they've had 20 years to do that and take those lessons and apply them to future battle plans. So I thought, okay, what if I was Iran? What if I'm North Korea? What if I'm China? What if I'm Russia? What if I'm a super empowered individual? What if I'm a terrorist organization? What lessons would I have taken? So that was the basis. And that was August of 2019. 
And then I got back from that trip and I start researching infectious diseases and the, uh, the weaponization of infectious diseases, uh, really from the end of World War II uh, with what uh, the Japanese and the Germans had done. Uh, what happened to that data? What happened to that research? How did it inform the bioweapon programs of the Soviet Union and the United States? Uh, what did the bioweapons conventions of the 70s mean? Um, and so I'm doing that research. So I'm, very, I'm hypersensitive when COVID hits. So COVID hits. And I get inklings of it. I first hear about it in December. Of course, near the end of January, I'm hearing more about it. February, of course, everyone's hearing about it. Um, but as I'm writing, the whole basis is what's the enemy learned over this time period? And guess what? They're learning now. They are learning uh, from our response to COVID. So that became, so as I'm writing, now that becomes a part of the, of the storyline. And guess what? Bam, we have a summer of civil unrest. And guess what the enemy is looking at that too? and they are taking lessons from that and they're applying the, those lessons to future battle plans. Then we have a very contentious political season and election cycle. Once again, they're not just looking at this with passing interest, they are taking lessons and applying it. So it because of what the novel was about, there was no way not to incorporate those things in. And then in about October, November, I ran into an issue and that was, gosh, I've been in the enemy's shoes here now for over a year thinking about this, writing about this, researching. If I was the enemy, I might just watch us. We're doing a pretty good job destroying ourselves, tearing ourselves apart from the inside. And so I was like, oh, geez, now I got to solve that problem here on the written page. And so I came up with a, a tool to necessitate the enemy needing to take action now while we're kind of on our knees here. Um, so, but I had to, had to solve it, I had, to, had to solve that problem. Um, so yeah, it was very natural for me to incorporate uh, the events of the last year because that was the basis of the novel that I came up with in August of 2019. Yeah, I was starting to think that you're kind of a fortune teller, you know, instead of a crystal ball, maybe, you know, the, the hatchet or axe back there on the wall might be like your crystal ball, you kind of rub it and it tells you the future. So I was going to ask you what I need to invest in next, because I mean, <laughs> the things you write about are like, I'm like, man, this, this guy's got knows the future or something. It was crazy. I mean, unfortunately, we can we can we, we can take some educated guesses on uh, the way things are heading in a, in, a few, in a few different aspects, but it never hurts Chef Tom Hawks. Never heard no. to be surrounded by weapons. No, Never. No. Surrounded Never. by weapons and books. This whole wall in front of me here that you can't see is all is filled with books and shelves that go three deep. So in our next house, I'll have a, a, a library that's a little better uh, situated so I don't have to go three deep on these things and you know reach back and try to find a book at the third level back there. But uh, yeah, weapons and weapons and books. Those are uh, you know some of my favorite things. Yeah, so my wife was wanting to put some shelves up in the house and, and I was like, I was like, well, if we, we're planning, if we move, like, why do we want to do that? You know? And so she's like, yeah, you need a library because your books are just stacked in spots. You know, we don't have room for them. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get them on the shelves. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, real quick, let's think about the, the tough things you've done in life. And just let's say maybe the past six months, something that you've done that is tough, that, that you just had to overcome, that had to prove that you truly are tougher than life. And, it, you know, whatever situation you're in, mentally physically spiritually what what have you done and and what have you learned from that yeah well life life is all about adaptation uh just like on the battlefield enemy is always adapting to us we're always adapting to the enemy uh same thing in life so uh we have a, a special needs child our middle child who needs 24 7 full-time forever um, and he has since, since birth. So a, a daily thing, um, you know, what keeps me up at night really is, uh, providing a full, uh, lifetime of full-time care for him. Um, especially if I go outside and get hit by a bus or, you know, or whatever else, um, like he needs to be 
taken care of forever. Um, so you have a choice about how you're going to deal with something, you know, like that, and it's a conscious choice. Like you have to, uh, you can either you know, kind of wallow and do the, the why why did this happen to to me, which is very selfish. I mean, think about, you know, what's what's happened to him. But uh, so I guess that's an option, but it's not a very good option. It's definitely not the one that is. Uh, you know, the most productive, not just for you, but for those around you, more importantly. Um, so so that's probably the hardest thing that we have dealt with and continue to deal with daily. But I look at it like, hey, we got it for a reason. And that's because we have, uh, we're strong enough to, uh, uh, to help him reach his full potential, whatever that might be, which we don't know yet. Um, so that's a, that's a daily, daily thing. And hopefully our kids look at that and say, uh, oh, look at, Look how mom and dad dealt with this, um, and uh, like we're, hopefully it makes us more loving, compassionate people as well. So, so I try to look at it from the, through that lens. So, you know, it is a, a ton of work, particularly for my wife. Particularly when I was going downrange uh, to Iraq and Afghanistan, when that that uh, pendulum is on the side of the team and the family is over here, and the pendulum is over here because on the team, because that's what you owe uh, the guys to your right and left. That's what you owe their families. That's what you owe uh, the mission. That's what you owe the country uh, by default. So uh, that's just kind of that. That's just how it has to be. Um, but now that pendulum is swinging back and although I'm very busy every day and I'm building this business and I'm writing and I'm doing all these things uh, well now it's all about uh, that that passion for writing which is uh, allows me to uh, continue to move towards uh, along that path for my mission which is taking care of our family particularly our middle child so uh, so I would say yeah that that challenge has been uh, the toughest but you get to choose how you're going to respond how you're going to adapt to that and you get to choose whether you're just going to be miserable about it or if you're going to try to turn it into a um, not necessarily into a positive but you're going to deal with it in a, a positive way for for you for him for the rest of the family for everyone around you so that's a that's a conscious choice yeah and i love how you put that it's not you don't necessarily turn it into a positive but you deal with it the most positive way that's that's that that's some deep i'll probably be thinking about that tonight when i'm laying in bed so that that was that's that's key and that's critical right there um, uh, before I ask the last question, I want to be respectful of all your time. Uh, please just tell everyone, uh, where they can find, uh, the devil's hand and, uh, and all the specials that you have going on and, and also about you. Oh man. Thank you. So, uh, the book comes out April 13th in hardcover in audio read by Ray Porter, who's now playing dark side in the new Snyder cut, um, uh, justice league. Who's an awesome guy. Uh, ebook also at the same time, it's available anywhere books are sold. Uh, and there's a few different places that have signed books. So that's on my website. If people are looking for, for those or with book plates, I do some limited edition book plates to drive some traffic towards independent bookstores. Uh, those are kind of wrapping up right now so that they can get the books to people uh, on the day that it comes out, April 13th. Um, so had that going on. And uh, the podcast, Danger Close, Beyond the Books with Jack Carr, a new episode comes out every Wednesday on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, uh, which I think is just under Jack Carr, uh, and on Spotify and on Apple and what else is going on? Yeah, the website is officialjackcar.com. People can go there to find those reading lists or that gear, uh, go a little deeper to uh, into some of the uh, weapons and things that are used in the novels. So, uh, and I'm Jack Car USA on the social channels, and Instagram is probably where I'm the the most active. So, uh, I, I, and I use it as a way to say thank you. I just love to to say that's my favorite part of social media is being able to say thank you to everyone. Yeah, I was. I must be honest that whenever. I saw Jack Carr followed me on Instagram. I might've got a little bit excited just out of respect. And the fact that you are 
uh, you know, as such an esteemed author in my book of, uh, you know, as myself trying to be an author. And I really love how you have, you've gone after your passion, your calling, not, you know, in the military and as a writer and um, seeing people do that has really encouraged me to sometimes drop some of the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing to actually go do what I'm called and needed to do. So I really appreciate you for that. Yeah. Before our last, last oh, question. Thank you so much. And I appreciate all your, your support. I mean, yeah. So the last question, Mr. Carr is a dream hunt yeah, or a dream hunt or adventure. Sure. Uh, you can go anywhere. You can go after yeah. anything, any weapon, but most importantly, who are you going with? Ooh, that's a good one right there. Uh, who am I going with? It's, uh, you know, my daughter, my wife, my, our, our youngest son. Um, uh, so for, so family for sure. But, uh, gosh, I've been so fortunate to get to go on, to go on some amazing hunts and I don't really have them prioritize like future ones, um, at all because the opportunities come up and, uh, it's a yes, you know, it's, uh, I'm not necessarily like waiting for that one. I'm, I've always thought about doing this one thing and I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. Uh, no, it's, uh, there's all these, all these different hunts come up and, and I just love them all. Um, but I guess, I guess what I would like to do is go to, I haven't done any hunting in Europe and I'd like to do, do future novels, but also just explore the different hunting cultures of the different countries in Europe because it's they're also different um, from one another. And so I really am fascinated with with that and especially that hunting culture over there so different from ours. Um, and I just don't know that much about it. Uh, so I want to go over there and explore because uh, just for that that history and that tradition that they have that's uh, that's that's just so closely tied to the history of those different nations. So I'd like to do do that as well. And then as you're doing that, I'm collecting stories. I'm collecting getting little insights here and there that I can use in future novels. So uh, so that's I guess if I if I was pinned down, I would say that. But you know I love uh, uh, elk hunting out here. I love when I have a moose hunt on the books for September in Alaska again. Um, got got a yeah I've got a got a lot of got a hunt some books so uh so looking forward to getting out and getting after it but uh uh, uh yeah i think europe would be the place that i would say i'd like to kind of go and explore next just because i don't know that much about those different hunting cultures over there awesome man i really appreciate like i said i appreciate you just uh watching you from a distance uh being a fan and and i would love to someday be able to hang out and and maybe go on a hunt or just go shoot go shoot an archery uh, challenge or something like that with you. But uh, just being able to see awesome. all the, yeah, see all that you've done chasing down your dreams. Uh, you truly are tougher than life, my friend. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Sincerely appreciate it. Sincerely appreciate your message and what you're doing and how you're, uh, how you're doing it. So, uh, so it works both ways and uh, sincerely appreciate you having me on and hopefully we'll link up in, in person one of these days soon. I uh, hope so. Remember, stay humble, be hungry, get healthy and always be tougher than life. So